Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church, and with me today is my friend and pastor, Jeff Luddington, lead pastor at Generations Church. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing well. Thank you, Rob. I got it. You know, I was going to, I should have told you this ahead of time, but I'm just going to spring this on you on the podcast. Um, first comment I got back after our episode, where your first episode dropped, was, hey, man, how'd you get new, Neil Cavuto on your, past, on your uh, podcast? <laughs> And so I think that I think it was Eric Moreno, man. He listens to our podcast, and uh, he said you sound like Neil Cavuto. So if you don't know, if you don't listen to that guy in the news, but that's pretty. I thought it was pretty funny. I thought there is a similarity there. Nice. Well, I went home and told my wife I was ready to quit my day job and that's it. Become yeah. a professional podcaster, and then I realized I hadn't even asked you. You know, what does this pay? So yeah, yeah. When I well, found that out, I, I went back and begged for my job back. <laughs> yes, yes. Please don't quit your job uh, on that. Well, hey, if you're listening today, uh, welcome. If you're this is your first one, uh, we are glad to have you. If you've been listening to the whole series, great. Uh, our Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude series is, oh, we're in episode 37 today, Lord's Day 37. So uh, how this works is we've been working our way through a 450-year-old catechism. And if you're unfamiliar with that, it's a, a catechism is a way of learning by memorizing questions and answers. I often use the example of just kind of the way I learned how to do my times tables, you know, two times two is four, two times, you know, and just kind of, you memorized the true answers. And so that when you get ready to do math, there they are. Well, for our faith, uh, as we memorize truth, and again, truth isn't because a catechism says it is, truth is because the Bible says it's true. And so we memorize those things so that when we need them, we have truth at our, at the ready, if you will. And so we're in episode 37, or Lord's Day 37 is what the catechism would call it. And today has some uniqueness. Uh, this is, we're, we're working our way through the section of the catechism and the Ten Commandments. And this is the second episode on the third commandment. So we're going to talk about uh, using God's name appropriately. And the third commandment is the only one in the Heidelberg Catechism that gets two days to it instead of just one. And so um, today it's going to take a whole new direction than we did on our last one. And so Rob and I are doing this where we're reading. I'm just I'm asking the question like a father would to a son or a discipler to a disciple. And he is giving the answer. And uh, so we've got two questions and answers today. Rob, have you stretched? Are you are you ready? Are your vocal cords all prepared for the Q&A? Um, if we wanted that to happen, I think we need to do this later in the day. First thing in the morning. <laughs> A lot of coffee, but I think I'm I think I'm good. I enjoy this time and uh, yeah, ready to go. All right, it's early, so don't hold it against us. It is yeah. early. All right, <laughs> all right. Well, question and answer one hundred and one and one hundred and two. So uh, here it is. But may we swear an oath in God's name if we do it reverently? Yes, when the government demands it, or when necessity requires it, in order to maintain and promote truth and trustworthiness for God's glory and our neighbor's good. Such oaths are grounded in God's word, and we are rightly, uh, and were rightly used by people of God in the Old and New Testaments. All right, 102. May we also swear by saints or other creatures? No, a legitimate oath means calling upon God as the only one who knows my heart to witness to my truthfulness 
and to punish me if I swear falsely. No creature is worthy of such honor. All right. If you were listening today and you are a Christian, typical Christian, Protestant Christian, evangelical Christian, non-denominational, denominational, or any other hyphenated intersectional Christian name, I don't know. So if you're any one of those things and you're not maybe Roman Catholic, uh, this is going to sound really odd. Um, this, this is not something you probably deal with. Um, one, you've probably, you know, maybe you've sworn to know somewhere and, and never thought twice about it. Uh, two, you've probably never sworn by a saint or by other creatures. And so um, this was written again 450 years ago. And when it was written, Roman Catholicism was probably in its lowest point. And so uh, Roman Catholics would agree with that statement that it was at that point back then where it needed change. So the Protestant Reformation happens, and the idea is they protest the problems. They want to reform the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church is having nothing to do with it. And so uh, Protestant Christianity is birthed out of that, and that's kind of where we even get our name. Um, and the saints and other creatures thing, uh, we're not going to deal with a lot today, um, really. Uh, you know, you're swearing by something, and, and the answer even says— a legitimate oath means calling upon God is the only one who knows to my heart to witness to my truthfulness. And I love this line, and to punish me if I swear falsely. So no one else knows your heart, a saint, an animal, a tree, a parent, a dead somebody, or a living somebody, they don't know your heart. So we're going to eliminate that one from today and really just talk about swearing oaths. And so, you know, 450, 500 years ago, when this was the culture was being written to, it was very common for people to take oaths, and many of them monastic. Uh, people were pushed into monastic communities, monks and nuns, and and uh, made to take oaths uh, that would affect the rest of their lives. And I'll tell you a funny story, Rob, as, as uh, uh, my mom, who is uh, not really a practicing Christian, she's, all, she's more new agey. She kind of just has a collection of things. My mom, when she wants to tell you she's telling the truth, she will say, I swear to Buddha. Now, Funny story, my mom is not a Buddhist in any way, right? But if she really, really wants you to know she's telling the truth, she will swear to God. And uh, no, I swear to God, you know, and uh, I think this is probably the culture that we live in, the, the relevant, right? We're talking about modern day themes and connections to a 450-year-old catechism. And so um, there's the the... When we talked about using God's name in vain last week or using God's name in a common way, not a holy way, that's a common way, right? Oh, I swear to God, you know, or whatever. And um, people just throwing that out there as a phrase that's supposed to mean now you can't challenge me, right? Uh, but if you take that all the way on the other side of, the, of things, um, Jehovah's Witnesses, which I, I'm not suggesting represent Christianity in any way, but Jehovah's Witnesses say, hey, we will not swear or take an oath or anything uh, because of what, you know, their faith teaches them. And in fact, uh, now we've changed our, when you go and testify in court, it's do you swear or affirm? And the whole affirm piece is because they refuse to swear an oath. And so um, that's kind of some backdrop for it. Uh, Rob, where do you see this as a cultural, current, relevant conversation? Well, from my perspective, I think it seemed like, um, and it may just be a difference of perspective from when I was a kid to now, but it seemed like when I was younger, um, people trusted that a Christian would tell the truth. If they knew you were a Christian, um, 
they would assume that you were probably more honest than a non-Christian. Um, they would assume you were more, you know, moral, that you were more trustworthy or loyal. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think it's almost the opposite sometimes as people think, oh, you yeah. can't be trusted because you believe this or you believe that. So I think that sometimes the the oath um, means more in just the words that are used than the actual yeah. practice that we don't, we don't take it as seriously as we should. Um, we assume yeah. that somebody should trust me anyway. But I think that, you know, there's, that it's, there's some confusion in this because I think I love the book of James and, and James kind of lays it out and says um, in James 5.12, but above all my brothers do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, um, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Um, so I think, you know, if we were really honest all the time, we wouldn't need to take these oaths, but yeah. we do because we're not. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's a really astute observation about culture. Um, Christianity has declined in America, in the, in the view of Americans. Um, Jesus has not, interestingly enough. People think highly of Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, or the things they think Jesus teaches, even if that's not accurate or if it's not complete. Uh, Jesus is, I'll, I'll say it this way, uh, Jesus' polling numbers are pretty good, uh, but the church's polling numbers not so much since we're in an election season. I think that makes sense to everybody. Um, but the church is reflective of Christians, um, people that call themselves or identify themselves as followers of Jesus. Um, and yet Jesus seems to be still quite popular. Um, I, I know he's not currently running for an office that I know of, but he seems to be quite popular. And so that's an interesting cultural assessment. Christians aren't trusted as much anymore. Man, I, I wonder if it's not because we've watered down the term Christian. Um, this is probably a conversation for another day, but as we look at politics, and, and this can be for anybody on any side of the political spectrum, uh, man, we'll hear on one, on one day, we'll hear Trump quote a verse, on another day, we'll hear Nancy Pelosi quote a verse, and then we'll hear this, a Republican, a Democrat. And man, you're like, I don't see anything that reflects Jesus in any of this, right? And yet they're quoting scripture. And I think that there's been a watered down version of what a Christian is. And today to be a Christian in America means you're not a Buddhist, you're not an atheist, and you were probably born here. You know, like, I mean, like those are, you know, you celebrate Christmas and Easter. That's about as loose as it is. But people of faith should be different, right? Christians, those who actually follow Jesus, um, well, should look a little more like Jesus and maybe uh, have more of a reputation like Jesus. I like that, man. I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't expect to really kind of go down that 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 rabbit trail a bit. But I want to look at your verse um, that you brought up. So James 5.12, right, um, says, Do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall into condemnation. So Christians should be um, honest. Like that's a, a, a good starting point, right, that uh, uh, God would have us tell the truth, right, that, that followers of Jesus should prefer truth over falsehood, lies, deceit, anything else, right? And that we should speak that way and that we should be known as trustworthy people. Um, but the actual command says, don't swear by heaven or earth or any other oath, right? Kind of fits in line with, um, do we swear by saints or other creatures? Well, anything created like earth, heaven, anything else that like James is talking about can't testify to us. 
And it does say don't take oaths, but Deuteronomy 6.13, Deuteronomy 10.20, they both say almost word for word uh, the same thing. Uh, You shall fear the Lord, you shall serve him and hold fast to him. By his name you shall swear. Uh, That's 10.20, but uh, 6.13 is almost identical to that. And so there is a sense of you shall swear by God's name only, right? Now, this would be an interesting, uh, kind of an interesting contrast to the other verse where it says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't have to swear an oath or anything. Well, you should be trustworthy and truthful. That's what you're talking about, right? That you should be able to be trusted as a Christian. You should be a trustworthy voice. But there is a time and a place where there's you know, there's room for an oath. Like I said, Jehovah's Witnesses won't swear in court, won't swear to uh, that their testimony is true, um, but they will affirm it is, right? So I, I don't know if that's a nuance of language or not. But um, for me, I think there's some just ways that we take oaths. I think uh, you swear an oath to the military, um, you swear to testify, you know, uh, you know, you swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth shall help you, God, right? in testimony, uh, I think that there's a way of saying that this has been used by culture to say, listen, I don't know if you're telling the truth. Only you know if you're telling the truth. But may you be judged by God, literally. Like, may you have to face God if this is a lie, you know, because someone else's life is on the line or something, right? And so I think there's a right use of that. Um, But I think, uh, like you brought up, there's just a lot of misuse, how do you were telling me earlier? Because not many people know this, but you're a youth pastor. You've done youth for quite a long time. Um, how would you teach students like the distinction between right ways and wrong ways of doing this? Well, I think you know, going back to what we said in James, I tell my kids, and, and I tell them this about the Bible as well. One of the reasons we can trust the Bible when it comes to things that sometimes just seem well, miraculous, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, right. They don't seem that they can actually happen. Um, I can trust the Bible on things like the resurrection because you can trust the Bible on all the little things, mm-hmm. right? All the, all the historical facts, all those kind of the people that are named. Um, and so we, you know, I talk to kids about the fact that you need to be trustworthy in the, in the small things, you know, why is your homework late? You know, why did you show up sure. late at home and break curfew? If you can be trusted in those, you can be trusted in the, in the big things, um, but for some people, people who don't know you well, um, or just in a very serious situation, that may not be enough for someone. Someone may say, well, yeah, this is a big deal. So if you're going to do this, if you're going to take this position. If you're going to, as you said, witness in a, in a court of law, um, we need to make it more serious. But at the same time, the person taking the oath has to believe that, yeah, God is going to hear what I say, and he's going to hold me accountable to it. And I'm being held to a higher standard than just, you know, my own, my own yes and no. So I think yeah. there's that idea of, you know, we have to take it seriously. The person that's hearing our oath has to believe that we're taking it seriously as well. It's really good, man. I like that. I, and it's, so what I really like, man, if I could re- just recap that, like when you are trustworthy in all the little things, right, you can be trusted in the big things when you are, when you're young and you, you know, if you, you know, where's your homework, right? Or why'd you break curfew? Those are the examples you gave. Well, when I, if you're honest in those things, you're like, Hey, the dog didn't eat my homework. I didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, or, you know, I broke curfew because honestly I chose to come home late, you know, or here's what I was doing. Like, if you're honest in those things, when you make that phone call that says, Hey, I've been in a car accident and this person is saying you ran a red light and you're like, I didn't run the red light. 
they ran the red light. Like even if it's just in your parents, maybe that won't work in court or whatever, but your parents will know you're trustworthy. Because when I ask you what happened to your homework, you're like, I didn't do it. <laughs> you know, you're not like, hey, the dog ate my homework. So, you know, I, I think that's true. When you're trustworthy in the little things, uh, you can be trusted in the big things. And that'll go a long way, even if that's just parents, right? Even if it's, you know, just the people that know you, you know, you have character. I want to shift gears a little bit. When I took an oath, man, I, it was the, the most important oath I ever took, man, was uh, when I joined the Army, I was... 17 years old, uh, had to have my parents sign to get me in. I was in, <laughs> anybody knows my story. I was in all kinds of trouble. That doesn't shock you. And so um, the Army was my big dream. I wanted to be a soldier. I wanted to fly helicopters. And um, I, was a, I was a smart kid, even though I was in a lot of trouble, doing dumb things. But I had a lot of intelligence, I guess, not a lot of wisdom. But um, that was my big dream. And so in 1986, I joined the Army. And I remember being at the MEP station down in L.A. And before we took the oath, uh, as we, as we raise our hand and swore, you know, as you guys are all, I'm sure familiar. Um, I remember, uh, an officer telling us that we were taking an oath to defend people, the people that scream the most vile things, the things we disagree with the most, we were going to go defend their right to have that freedom. And so um, I always remember that when I see these protests or things. And I'm not suggesting I disagree with all the protests, but when I see people, there's a lot of things I do see on TV or a lot of people that are protesters that say things I disagree with. Um, but when they do that, I remember that. I, I remember the moment. I remember that oath. And so um, I think that's a good point to take a, a kind of a cultural moment, right? Um, as we look at the role of police officers today, and again, I think we all agree 99% of police officers, you know, the saying is, are great people or whatever. And it might be a higher number. I mean, it might be 99 point something or other. I don't know. But we see the bad apples on TV or whatever. And I'll let those play out in court or do whatever. Um, but as we talk about that, people either tend towards the victim or the, 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 uh, the person who dies or is shot or whatever, or they tend towards the police officer immediately. Like we show bias. As soon as we hear a story, we drift into a camp. Um, to give a little perspective that people are talking about police reforms right now, I don't think defunding the police is going to be our solution. But as we talk about reforms, I think it's fair to, to address one thing. When you become a cop, you take an oath, right? Your oath is to protect, to serve, to do those things. I don't know their oath. I've never been a cop. But um, when you take an oath to something, you are saying, hey, listen, in the, in the, in, I'll use uh, a cop or a sheriff or something, a, a deputy sheriff. You're saying, hey, listen – you're giving me a badge. It's going to give me authority, right? You're giving me a gun that's, you know, that gives me the power to take a life or the power to do things, uh, plus non-lethal force, a lot of training, a lot of any out. Culture gives that a lot of authority. When you take that oath, you're subjecting yourself to being held to a higher accountability, right? You're saying, I know I've been given extraordinary power and influence in this culture and I am willing to take the scrutiny, and you take an oath to that. And I, and I think that that should be understood when someone colors outside the lines then, when they do some things that you know, may or may not be illegal. We'll let the, again, we're letting courts figure those things out. Um, I think we're going to see in the George Floyd case, we're going to see cops get in trouble. Uh, I don't know in the other circumstances right now. I think that there are details I don't understand. So whatever it is, I think when we take an oath, 
I think when we give somebody an authority, whether that's mayor, governor, president, sheriff, police officer, um, or pastor and elder, man, for that matter, as you and I, man, as we were ordained to these roles, right? I think we're saying, hey, I am willing to step up to the higher level of accountability. And as a pastor, I know that means my life has to match what I talk about, right? And as an elder, yours does. And as a president, as a governor, as a police officer, I think there should be something that when we take these additional words, we take these words with weight, um, that we should understand we're expecting now to live in a different way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important, too, that a lot of times it seems like we take, if we take an oath, um, we need to be reminded of that on a regular basis, right? I know a lot of Good. a lot of police cars you see will say protect and serve on the side that the policemen, yeah. police women are seeing that as they walk into their car. Um, I think sometimes we take oaths, maybe like, like you said, as an elder, um, I'm not reminded of that oath hmm. until the next elder comes along and we, and we ask them the same yeah. questions. Um, but we need to, I think it, it's important as a Christian that we take seriously. If I'm saying, swear to God that I'm, I'm using his name. We talked about last week, um, not profaning that name, not taking it lightly, not taking it the wrong way that I need to understand that this is important, that there's some weight to this and I need to live up to this. And so maybe just, consistently being reminded this is what I swore to do this is the kind of person I swore to become and uh, know who God is as well because if you take this oath lightly and you don't know that God may punish and that God does know your heart and knows what you do in secret um, that adds some weight to it I like that man well I'll tell you what won't you tell them how they can find us and how they can like us and how they can share us and we will then see them in a week yeah, great. And, and I would also say, if you just tuned in today, um, go back and listen to the other ones, if for nothing else. If you think um, Jeff Luddington is, is a cool guy, you have no idea <laughs> until you hear him talk about Veggie Tales. So there you go. That's true. last That's week, true last week, I had to go, I had to go watch that um, on YouTube. Oh, and I laughed as hard as you were saying that you laughed. So, oh, so um, funny. We love having having you here. We hope you get something out of this. Um, if nothing else, we're having it fun, just having a conversation. But hopefully you're listening and getting something out of this. And if you want to share this with somebody that you think um, would love to hear this, please do so. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to the Generations Church podcast. It's a reminder, uh, every Tuesday, a new episode is released in the Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude uh, series. And so tune in every Tuesday. Um, get a reminder on your phone so you don't miss any. And uh, we hope you're with us next time. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church, G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.